Hi, my name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 57, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 5, Deuteronomy 5, and Psalm 89. Numbers 5, the Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to send away from the camp anyone who has a defiling skin disease or a discharge of any kind, or who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead body. Send away male and female alike. Send them outside the camp so they will not defile their camp. Where I dwell among them, the Israelites did so. They sent them outside the camp. They did just as the Lord had instructed Moses. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, Any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sin they have committed. They must make full restitution for the wrong they have done. Add a fifth of the value to it and give it all to the person they have wronged. But if that person who has no close relative to whom restitution can be made for the wrong, the restitution belongs to the Lord and must be given to the priest, along with the ram with which atonement is made for the wrongdoer. All the sacred contributions the Israelites bring to a priest will belong to him. Sacred things belong to their owners, but what they give to the priest will belong to the priest. Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him so that another man has sexual relations with her and this is hidden from her husband and her impurity is undetected since there is no witness against her and she has not been caught in the act, and if feelings of jealousy come over her husband and he suspects his wife and she is impure, or if he is jealous and suspects her even though she is not impure, then... He is to take his wife to the priest. He must also take an offering of a tenth of an ff of barley flour on her behalf. He must not pour olive oil on it or put incense on it because it is a grain offering for jealousy, a reminder offering to draw attention to wrongdoing. The priest shall bring her and have her stand before the Lord. Then he shall take some holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle floor into the water. After the priest has had the woman stand before the Lord, he shall loosen her hair and place in her hand the reminder offering, the grain offering for jealousy, while he himself holds the bitter water that brings a curse. Then the priest shall put the woman under oath and say to her, If no other man has had sexual relations with you, and you have not gone astray and become impure while married to your husband, may this bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here the priest is to put the woman under this curse. May the Lord cause you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell. May this water that brings a curse enter your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries. Then the woman is to say, Amen, so be it. The priest is to write these curses on a scroll and then wash them off into the bitter water. He shall make the woman drink the water that brings a curse, and this water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering will enter her. The priest is to take from her hand the grain offering for jealousy, wave it before the Lord, and bring it to the altar. The priest is then to take a handful of the grain offering as a memorial offering and burn it on the altar. After that, he is to have the woman drink the water. 
If she has made herself impure and been unfaithful to her husband, this will be the result. When she is made to drink the water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering, it will enter her, her abdomen will swell, and her womb will miscarry, and she will become a curse. If, however, the woman has not made herself impure but is clean, she will be cleared of guilt and will be able to have children. This, then, is the law of jealousy when a woman goes astray and makes herself impure while married to her husband, or when feelings of jealousy come over a man because he suspects his wife. The priest is to have her stand before the Lord and is to apply this entire law to her. The husband will be innocent of any wrongdoing, but the woman will bear the consequences of her sin. Deuteronomy 5, Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up to the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You no shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are the commands the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to your whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire, the cloud in the deep darkness. And he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. When you heard the voice out of the darkness, while the mountain was ablaze with fire, all the leaders of your tribes and your elders came to me, and you said, The Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a person can live even if God speaks with them. But now, why should we die? This great fire will consume us, and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what mortal has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire? As we have, and survived. Go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you. We will listen and obey. The Lord heard you when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard what this people said to you. Everything they said was good. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always." so that it might go well with them and their children forever. 
Go, tell them to return to their tents. But you stay here with me so that I may give you all the commands, decrees, and laws you are to teach them to follow in the land I am giving them to possess. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonder, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong, your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory and strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have raised up a young man from among the people. I have found David, my servant. With my sacred oil, I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him and through my name, his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging, but I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, and I will not lie to David, that his line will continue forever and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will establish forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. But you have rejected, you have spurned, you have been very angry with your anointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant and have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken all his walls and reduced his strongholds to ruin. All who pass by have plundered him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. 
Indeed, you have turned back the edge of his sword and have not supported him in battle. You have put an end to his splendor. You cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with a mantle of shame. How long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how fleeting is my life. For what futility you have created all humanity. Who can live and not see death? Or who can escape the power of the grave? Lord, where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies, Lord, have mocked, with which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen and amen. So in Numbers, we have just finished describing the Israelites' mobile organizational leadership given by God and centered around him in Numbers 1 through 4. And here in Numbers 5, we are reading about the importance of purity and making restitution. We're being reminded that because God is holy and he's going to dwell with us, we have to have this elevated sense of purity in order to be close. We also read what seems to be an odd practice of a husband bringing a wife before a priest if he thinks she is unfaithful and she eats dirt. Okay, so I always like to take these moments to remind myself that reading the Bible is like studying abroad where it helps to try to understand the original language and culture to improve our chances of reading out of scripture what it's trying to say instead of reading into it a meaning that makes sense in our language and culture. The Bible was written for us, not directly to us. So it's kind of like we're reading someone else's email, but we also know the email has important lessons for us. And without leaning into its language and culture, we're more likely to misunderstand and misrepresent it. So it's important to consider it in its context. I believe it was Old Testament biblical scholar, Dr. Sandra Richter, who helped me to first understand this story and its context. In that Near Eastern patriarchal culture, a wife was the property of her husband, and he had the right to abuse her and divorce her whenever he wanted. He basically had any rights. It's like you would with any sort of property and possession. Meaning, these instructions were actually offering justice and a limit to any oppressive use of power where a husband sought to slander or harm or justify his actions towards his wife in jealousy whether they were justified or not. So in this story, a husband cannot be the judge, jury, and executioner, but he can bring the issue to a priest. Dr. Richter also points out how the method of judging is not based even on the priest's opinion, but rather dirt. We know that while dirt may not like taste great, it doesn't typically kill anyone. Therefore, the point being made here is that God must supernaturally intervene. But if she remains pregnant, if she was, for example, or, you know, she wants to have children later, then she's being cleared of all guilt. So if she doesn't get like sick or her abdomen doesn't swell, then, you know, it's a sign that God did not intervene. Something negative didn't occur. So the point being made here is actually so cool to me. The law is addressing the concern but also limiting the misuse of power of a man and reorienting power and authority under God. Because even the priest, it says, brought her before the Lord and his will and his ways are being carried out. So it's like everyone in the community is submitting themselves to God's authority and his ways. To me, I don't know. I know it reads really crazy, but it's actually pretty cool when you see what's happening in the context. And I loved yesterday's reading of Deuteronomy 4. 
For me, it felt like reading the entire unified story in a smaller representative story with echoes back to the Garden of Eden and then forward to the Savior, Jesus, who's coming. It makes sense that here in Deuteronomy 5, we're reading about the covenant and God's words or commandments to the people. It's like reiterating the brand motto, the culture, the policies that help the organization and the purpose and the people to thrive. I'm reminded of the Mandalorian when they say, this is the way. The last verse in Deuteronomy 5, the last few, of course, but definitely the last one. It's this constant, important reminder. It's like asking, challenging, what are we going to do? Are we going to walk in obedience in the way the Lord has described? God has commanded us to do it. Or what's our alternative? Because he is clearly saying that if we obey him and we listen to what he's saying, we are going to live and prosper and flourish in shalom and be given blessings that we can use to bless others. We'll be walking in the light, his warmth and the absence of light and warmth is something that a lot of us have touched before. And we know that the absence of light and warmth is the absolute opposite of prospering and flourishing. So I think it makes sense that this is an important reminder. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.